Hi friends, I'm Kara Kay. And I'm Elizabeth. And this is the Asking for a Friend podcast. A show for the woman who has questions about herself, the church, and the world. We are providing a safe space to engage in tough topics. But don't worry, we know you're only asking for a friend. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Asking for a Friend. So we've recently received a question from a listener and we are going to talk about the topic today. I don't know if you guys know this, you can actually submit a question to us at our website. It's askingforafriendpod.com. So you can go over there, click submit a question and send us a question if there's a topic that you want us to tackle. So the question that we received is how do I raise kids in an entitled world? So we are going to attempt to discuss this today. I want to start off by saying that this is definitely an area that, and you and I have talked about this, like we do not have this figured out. Right. Yeah. We are definitely, I feel like I'm swimming in quicksand, like always trying to figure out new ways to help my kids understand their privilege. And yeah, it's just swimming upstream absolutely all the time. We're definitely not experts, like she said, but we want to do our best to help you as parents um, navigate this topic because it is such a challenge. So let's start off today by sharing a little bit of our experiences. So Elizabeth, would you share with us where you find yourself in this topic? We used to live in a neighborhood that was like a master planned community. You know, it's like all the cookie cutter houses, Right. but it was great because there were sidewalks. So my kids could ride their bikes. There's tons of kids. Like I just had a text thread with moms and it was like, Hey, it's six o'clock time for dinner. If my kids at your house, will you send them home? You know, it's just that kind of idyllic neighborhood. We had the community pool, community tennis courts. There was a lake where we would actually take our kids fishing and, it was just awesome. The problem was we kept having more kids. Right. And we lived in the smaller section of the neighborhood. We were outgrowing our house. And if we wanted a house with more room for all these little people, then we had to move out of the neighborhood. We couldn't afford the bigger section. So we moved to a like more established neighborhood where there's either like 80-year-olds or young families who have redone the house. Uh-huh. So yeah, we chose a house and um, we love the area. We had to redo the house a little bit, but it's been great. It's the perfect size for our family. Um, but yeah, we definitely traded the community we had in the old neighborhood for, um, just the size of house we needed. But I feel like in that old neighborhood, it did feel much more privileged because of all the amenities. Um, so I think moving has definitely helped us. And it's funny, my kids, cause I know you live in a similar neighborhood Uh to mine, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if your kids feel like this, but they have friends who, you know, I mean, they have quite a bit of money, which I know we do yes. too, you know, talking about the, re- you know, in the world, relative to the world, but they have some friends that live in some pretty wealthy neighborhoods and they'll make jokes like, um, we live in the slums or, uh, you know, we, li- they, their friends live in the rich neighborhood. And I'm like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Like we, we are so wealthy compared to other people. So I think that's the the hard part is helping them understand like you can't compare yourself to your wealthiest friend or your friend that has, you know, a house in the Caymans or, you know, parents drive two BMWs. Like that's, that's so like such a tiny percent of the population. It is, it is for sure. And it's hard when your kids are surrounded by that. And we had a similar situation. So our kids were going to a school in town and we were in a neighborhood similar to that. And we were in a place that we were like, we don't want our kids to grow up 
thinking they have everything handed to them. They have Mm -hmm. so much privilege. There was nothing really wrong with the school that we were in, but our issue was that it was so very white. It was, you know, the kids were not surrounded by any type of diversity and what the world like them actually looked like. And so we really wanted them to be in a place that was more representative of the world that we wanted to be a part of. And so we sold our house and we moved in, moved to specifically go to a different school for our kids. Um, And that has been a huge, huge help for us. Um, My oldest daughter, her, some of her closest friends in her grade, a lot of them speak Spanish as their first language. And she's been like learning Spanish with them. And she's really seen a lot of things and experienced a lot of things. I know one day I was having lunch with her. I think it was her birthday. And I went to sit and have lunch with her. And then Brooke came a little bit later and sat down. And she was at this table of all her friends. And the girls at the table were just in awe of Brooke. And I was like, what in the world? Like they, maybe they all have a crush on him or something. But they we realized because one of the girls said something to Jesse, I can't believe you have both of your parents here together. Oh and gosh, she, and I asked so her, so do your like do your friends and she said, No, I think maybe one of the other girls at the table, her parents are still married. Mm. Every other one of her friends came from a broken home. And so it was very eye opening, you know, to her, I think, to see, wow, I really have a lot of privilege in the, my life circumstances as well. Um, and so it's been great for our kids to experience different things and different people by just putting them in a school that is not just steeped in privilege, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can see how good that is for them. Yeah. I think that was one of our hopes, you know, when we got into foster care was that it would expose our kids to some really tough, aspects of life right. and of this world, but still being under the protective covering of our home and, you know, our parenting. And it, it has been really good for them. Um, I'll say more so when we were knee deep in it and fostering and things. Um, you know, I remember taking our daughter to family visits and, um, we would just park the caseworker would come and get her and take her inside. And it was, it was only an hour and it was like in the just a different part of town where there wasn't, it wasn't easy to get any place. Right. So a lot of times I would just take my kids, um, take them some books or an iPad or something. And we would just hang out in the car. And I remember one time a little boy walked into the building with his caseworker and he was probably around eight to 10 years old. And my oldest son, he said, mom, what's he doing here? And I said, well, he's a, he's a foster kid. He's probably going to, you know, see some family members. And he just looked at me like, he still didn't understand. And I said, honey, not all foster kids are babies. Yeah. And it was like the light bulb went off of there are kids without their parents who are my age. Right. And that was a really tough, you know, realization for him. But I also think really good. Yeah, that, for sure. You know, he realized not everybody has, like you were just saying, not everyone has two parents. Not everyone has one parent. I think the problem is that so many of us just want to shelter our kids from mm-hmm. what's going on in the world around them. We don't want to talk to them about it. We, w- we don't want them to know the bad things that are happening. But then they're just in this bubble and they don't know how to function when they're faced with a circumstance like my daughter and her friends. Like how in yeah. the world does she know how to talk to her friends when they are struggling with things at home and she's like, well, I don't have a clue. Um, and so it's, I think it's really important for us to have those conversations with them and expose them to things that they 
you know, aren't aware of and don't know that's going on. Yeah, I think that's huge is having these open, honest conversations. Um, I remember one of my, my third born asking me one time, like, you know, mom, who's your dad? And I said, well, you don't know him. You know, he, um, he wasn't really a part of my life. And he's like, looks at me with the most confused face of like, that makes no sense. Like, yeah, why wouldn't your dad so be in your life? And he was like, why? And I said, honey, I was like, not all dads are like your dad. Not all dads stick around and not all dads, you know, stay married and not all dads love their kids. Right. And he was just like really quiet and looking at me again, like you're speaking a foreign language. That makes no sense to me. Right. But we've had a lot of conversations since. And I, again, like I think being honest with them, talking to them, obviously age appropriately. Right. um, But not being afraid to reveal like, Hey, there's parts of our family that are great. There's parts that we've struggled with. There's parts of your community, your school that are great. There's parts that have struggles, you know, just being honest with your kids. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so let's shift a little bit and let's talk about a few ways that we think parents can help their kids be more grateful and less entitled. So do you want to share a couple of things that you think um, can help parents? Sure. So I'll just talk about a couple of things we do. So the first one is, you know, we have five kids. There's um, upstairs, there's three bedrooms. So that means four share. So our two girls share, two of our boys boys share, and then our oldest son has his own room. Um, But he shared in our previous house. So until he was like 11 years old, he always shared a room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I totally understand the desire to give your kids their own room and their own space. There's also such advantage from asking your kids to share. You know, I remember being in college and probably my most generous roommate was the one who had two sisters and had to share a room and shared a bathroom. And, um, you know, she was just super easy to get along with. She was really generous, really gracious. And I had to have that conversation with my daughter the other day of like, Hey, this is good for you. Like this is character building. This is, you know, you are going to be the perfect roommate when you go off to college and um you know, it's they don't always love it, but right. I would say more than not they enjoy it and it's it's not an issue. So I think like making your kids share rooms. Yeah, I is, think that's really good. A bad thing. My husband talks about that a lot cuz there was four of them and he said he was like I always shared a room. I never had a room to myself because two of our kids share. We actually had a season that our three girls were in a room together. We built them triple bunk beds and they were, they were a little smaller then. And so it was easier to like cram them all in one room. But yeah, I mean, we still have kids that share, but my husband's like, it doesn't make sense for me for our kids to not share rooms because like he always did that. And, and that really helped. I, I see that in him and his siblings that it really helped. Of course, I grew up, I always joke and say I grew up as an only child, but I actually I have an older brother that was six years older than me, but I was like, eh, he was basically raised by the time I came yeah, around. For and sure. So I didn't really, I didn't get that because I didn't have a sister. I didn't really have anybody to share a room with. But I do look back, I'm like, I would have loved that. I would have loved to have had that mm-hmm. experience um, because I didn't get to experience that until I went to college. And it was like, oh my gosh, now I have to share with people. Yeah. And so that was a little bit of a struggle for me, honestly, of, okay, well, I've had my own space and all my things for so long. And then now all of a sudden I have to share. And so I think that is really good for our kids. If you have kids that are able to share rooms to do that. And we have some friends, like you just mentioned, they'll have two and three kids in one room and then they use the other bedroom for a playroom. Yes, we did that too. 
So it's like your kids, they're just sleeping and getting dressed in their rooms. Yeah, so we had the sleeping room and then we had the playroom and it was great. That's right. Another thing we do is we start them on chores at a pretty young age. Yes. I don't know. Do y'all, yes, are y'all sure. into this? Yeah. I think when you have a lot of kids, like you just can't possibly do everything. There's right. not enough of you to go around. So you have to equip your kids. But like Cece's five now, when she was four, she started putting away her own laundry. Yep. She can fold towels. Now she's bumped up to she can set the table. She can feed the dog. You know, all of our other kids, they put away dishes. They take out the trash. They'll vacuum. They clean the room. I mean, they know how to clean toilets and bathrooms. Yep. I mean, they can do it all. Like, we don't we don't have a house cleaner. I have one come a few times a year, like two or three times a year as like a special treat. But yeah. Really, I make them do it. And I'll tell you what my son said that convinced me this is a good thing. They were probably four, six, and eight. And my oldest son, he was about eight. I told him, I was like, I am not punishing you by making you clean the bathroom. Like, I am teaching you a life skill. And he said, well, I don't need this life skill because when I grow up, I'm going to be at work while my wife and kids (gasps) clean the house. Oh, (laughs) Kara Kay, I almost lost my ever loving mind. I called my husband and I said you need to get home and start cleaning some bathrooms for your son. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Can you believe that? But that's what he saw. And yeah. I will say like, my husband is amazing. He does the dishes after I cook and he folds laundry and, you know, he does stuff. But right. in, for some reason in my kid's mind, like that was just not a life skill he needed. Right. Oh, and I was man. like, oh, uh, actually you do need it. We're doing our kids a disservice if we are not training them how to do simple everyday chores and teach yeah. them that somebody's not always going to be there to do this for you. Yeah. We, we struggle with that with our youngest daughter. She's, we always call her the princess because she's like, <laughs> I don't need to do this. We're like, she would be a great princess because she could have, she could just sit around all day, have people feed her grapes and do all the work for her. Yeah. But I feel like every family has one of those. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, and I love mine dearly, but I'm like, you better hope that you marry somebody who makes a lot of money so you can sit around and do nothing all day. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But yeah, so it's really important, I think, for us to teach them the value of hard work. I can't wait till mine are old enough to actually get like jobs. Oh, yeah, I know. Like summer jobs, after school jobs. Hey, don't you only have to be like 14 or 15 to work at Chick-fil-A? Your son can do that. I think it's 15. Is it 15? Yeah. He's almost there, man. I know, I know. Seriously, like six more months. Um, I think another thing, which I know y'all do a great job of this, is just serving outside your home. Yeah. So what are some favorite like service projects you've done with your kids or ways you've gotten them involved in the community? Yeah, we do. I mean, most of the stuff we do, honestly, is through our church um, because that's mm-hmm. what my husband does for his job. He's our... Um, yeah. He's the pastor of local and global outreach is his fancy title. But basically, he works to help people outside the walls of the church. And that's what we're really passionate about. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, when we talk about raising entitled kids, we grow up to be entitled adults who then, even though we are followers of Christ, we get into our churches and we kind of ignore everything around us because we think, well, I'm good. I'm in my little church bubble. And so it's really important for us to look outside the walls of our church and see how can we serve those in our community who are in need in some way or another. And so um, a couple of things that we do is my husband works really closely with um, with some foster organizations, um, just trying to help kids stay with their families. Mm, that's like awesome. we were talking about 
the foster system, a lot of times kids will get taken out of their homes for silly reasons, like they didn't have a bed or Mm -hmm. their house need to be exterminated or something like that. That's like the church can come alongside these people and help. Um, And so Mm -hmm. my husband does a lot of that and our kids can get involved in that stuff too. Whether it's, hey, we let's run to the store because there's a family that needs bedding for their daughter or their daughter's going to go into the foster system. And so, I mean, yeah. we can sacrifice a little bit to help people in that way. Or maybe it's just putting some snacks and water bottles in your car. And every time you drive by, we have this area in our town that some of the homeless community kind of hangs out at. And when we go in that area, it's like, why not just hand them a snack when you drive by just to yeah. show people that you love them? It doesn't have to be this huge um, service project because a lot of times that is hard with kids because they're in school and then they have activities and they're busy. I think we think, oh, serving with our kids has to be this huge thing that's really, you know, takes a lot of time. But really, it's yeah. just creating a mindset in them that we see other people and we see people that are hurting, we see people that are oppressed and we find ways to love them well and I I like what you said about it doesn't have to be like this well-organized service project and sometimes it's just incorporating them into what you're already doing so like we have our life group at our house and all the other families have kids much younger than ours so we're talking like toddler to five or six and so our older ones they kind of give us some pushback sometimes like well we don't have any friends and you know this is so boring it's just all little kids and I just tell them like not everything we do is about you. Not right. My job is not to entertain you every second of every day. <laughs> I need a t-shirt that says that. Oh my gosh, for real. That's always what my motto in the summer. My job is not to entertain you right. every second of every day. But I feel like, you know, sometimes like their job is to pour into someone else. And that's what I right. try to tell them. Like, hey, this is your opportunity to be a friend to a little one or yeah. just to help with childcare so that the parent can have an hour break or right. whatever. And Right. You know, they, they don't love that, but I'm hoping that over time, in hindsight, they'll see the value in it. Oh, for sure. So a couple of things that our family has seen and done that's really helped with getting our kids out of a place of entitlement is just setting the example for them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times as adults, we're like, oh, well, I deserve this thing or I need this thing. And I see that in my, I see that start to happen in my kids. One of my daughters, she always is asking, hey, mom, can we go get our nails done? Hey, mom, can we go do the, like, can we go get coffee? Can we go, you know, she's always wanting to like, go, go, go do things. Can we go out to dinner? Can we, and I'm like, girl, I cannot afford to take you to get your nails done and go out to dinner and all the things every single day. Yeah. Because they just don't really understand the value of money. And literally, I think it was a couple of days ago, my I said something to my daughter, like, I can't do those things for you all the time. Like, I love to take you to do treats like that. But that's not like an ongoing thing. And she goes, Mom, right. you and Daddy have jobs. You make money. You, we can go do this. <laughs> and I was like, it doesn't work that way. Like, just no, because we have there's jobs. something called a budget. Yes. Like, we still have to provide the roof over your head. And all of those things that you need. And so I think that we as parents can set a good example for our kids and showing them, hey, there's this new thing that I really want, but we're going to have to sacrifice. We're going to have to save if it's something that we really want. And so we talk openly about those kind of things with our kids. Like we, we actually just got a new TV back 
last year, we had had the same TV for 10 years. It was like Kendrick had thrown a Iron Man action figure at it. And so it had like a dent (laughs) in it and it was losing the color all the way around the screen. It was like, we'd had this TV forever. It was like, it was fine. It was still working. It wasn't perfect. You know, so we sacrificed for years and years that we probably should have gotten a new one. And that's just an example. I mean, silly things like that, but just to show them like, mm-hmm. we don't always have to have the latest and greatest things that we're fine with what we have because we have things. And I think along with that goes, you know, letting them know like, hey, we'll provide for your needs. Yes. But like sometimes you have to have some skin in the game and you have to work for what you want. Absolutely. I love that because um, that's what I tell my kids. I will buy your school clothes. I will buy your, if your tennis shoes wear out, I'll buy you new tennis shoes. You know, I'll buy you the things that you absolutely have to have. But my daughter, Jessie, really wanted these, like those Healy tennis shoes. Oh, yes. She saved and saved and saved her money because she really wanted those shoes. And so she like did a bunch of yard work and she, you know, earned some money and put the money back and saved for them. And then she actually made a good decision and decided not to buy them and to wait. And she ended up getting roller skates for Christmas because that was what she wanted. And her grandma got her roller skates. But it was like, I was so proud of her for realizing, okay, because she kept asking me, mom, I only need like 10 more dollars to get to it. Could you just loan that to me? I'm like, no, you, I want new shoes too, but I can't go to the bank and say, hey, I can't afford these. Can you give me a loan? And she's like, oh, I guess it doesn't work that way. (laughs) And it's hard as a parent to watch your child go through that. Yes. Because you're like, you know, I don't know about you, but yeah, like I just so badly would want to say like, here's my $10 and here's a $5 tip, but it's worth it for them and for us. Oh, for sure. Another thing that we have found as a family that helps is spending more time as a family and less on things and stuff. Um, we even said this after Christmas last year, our kids got so much junk for Christmas. Um, and mm-hmm. it's interesting because like we, t- we don't go overboard for Christmas, but I will shop months and months in advance. I'll shop sales. And so I don't end up spending like a ton of money, but they still, I realize, oh my gosh, they're still getting so much stuff because even though I didn't spend as much money, they're still getting a lot because I've just... Yeah. Oh, they need this little thing. Oh, they need this little thing. And then we go to two different grandparents and they get more stuff. And after Christmas, we told them, would you guys like to not get a whole bunch of presents and go on a trip? And they were like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'm like, they love that kind of stuff more and getting to actually spend time together as a family. Because literally, I think it was like two or three days after Christmas. And I said, you know, was asking them, Hey, what was your favorite thing you got for Christmas? And they were like, well, I don't really remember what all I got. It was like, that's pretty sad. Right. Right. That you can't remember because you got so much junk and it's just all yeah. little stuff that's going to get shoved in a closet or broken or whatever, you know? I think the last thing that kind of comes to mind for me is you know, we kind of have this, um, especially like mother to daughter, father to son, there's this temptation to be their friend instead of being their parent. And as their friend, like you just want to make their life easier and you want Mm -hmm. to give them whatever they want. But as their parent, we have to do the uncomfortable hard work of denying them some things. Right. Right. I struggle with this with my oldest because she's, Mm -hmm. we joke that she's my clone but she's so much like me. And so we get each other. And so it's really easy. And she's at a fun age now that it's like, she's really not, 
she's hardly ever an issue. And she's really just a great kid. And so it's hard for me to, I just want to be her friend. Yeah. And I realize some days, oh my gosh, like she'll do something. And I'm like, oh, wow, I have to parent. Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Just hanging out with her and being her friend because I need to parent her. And she'll look at me shocked when I discipline her. I'm like, oh, right. She just thinks I'm her best friend and I have to bring down the discipline on her and it's not fun for either one of us. So yeah. Do you struggle with that with any of your kids? A little bit with my daughter, my 12 year old, um, because she like, she's just fun. Yeah. It's a fun age. I tell her, I'm like, you're the friend I would want to be friends with if I were your age. Yes. You know, and I feel like my boys, like my older boys, um, they like to do things I'm just not interested in. A lot of coding and gaming. So that is very easy for me to pull away from. And then my younger ones are just a drain, you know, they require so much mental and physical energy. And so, yeah, my 12 year old, I kind of wrestle with that, but um, fortunately she has enough character flaws to where I have to drop the hammer sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we still, I mean, like it is that fine line between enjoying your children. And like you were saying, like every once in a while getting the mani pedi or going right. to get coffee, but on the flip side, also being the one that has to set those hard boundaries. Like for her, she is dying to text and she doesn't have a phone, but she could, if we let her, she could text through her iPad and all of her soccer teammates are on a text thread except her. And literally she's not exaggerating, like every single one Uh except her. And it is killing her. But we just told her like, you're not texting until you get a phone. And that's just one of the privileges that comes with getting a phone. And it would be so easy for me to cave and just be like, yeah, this is not a big deal. I can monitor one soccer text thread. Right. But I feel like we've kind of set a boundary and we need to stick with it. Yeah. So if you have a child who is already entitled, do you have any advice for parents who are thinking like, yeah, these are all great things I should have implemented like five, years 10 years ago. ago, but what do I do now? <laughs> I don't think it's bad to sit down and say, hey, we messed up. I think owning it is important Mm -hmm. um, to go to your kid and say, you know what? We'd like to change some things in our family because this is what we're seeing is happening. And just own that and say, this is on us. Like we led you into this. We, this is the example that we set for you, but we want to make some changes. Um, We want to be more Christ-like as a family. And we want to follow the example that Jesus set into really loving our neighbor as ourself. And in order to do that, we're going to step back from a few things, whatever that might look like for your family. And so I really think setting the example as the parent is key there and just really having that open communication. They might fight you on it. It's not fun for any of us to be told that we are doing something wrong. (laughs) And so I think it's important for us to just really own it and lead lead our kids into a different lifestyle. What do you think? Yeah, I would say it's never too late to root out some entitlement because in all honesty, I have some entitlement in me. I'm sure we all do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I think just addressing our own entitlement in our own hearts. And then like you said, having that honest conversation with your kids and just start naturally incorporating some things into your life. Like, like we were saying, it doesn't have to be, okay, we're going to start doing a service project every Saturday or something like that. Because then I think your kids will push back. But if you can just incorporate it into your everyday life, um, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the best way to ease kids into a new mindset. Yeah. Um, this was a great conversation. Do you have any final thoughts or encouragements that you would leave with parents who want to raise more grateful kids in an entitled world? I will say this, 
it's not going to be easy because you will be swimming upstream. Yes. Um, kind of like the text example I just gave. Like, it's not easy to go against what every other parent is doing or what may feel like everyone else is doing. You know, I'm sure it wasn't easy for y'all to leave the school where you were comfortable and you mm-hmm. knew everyone. And, you know, but you have to look at the end game and what you want right. your kids' lives to look like, what you want your values to be for your family. Um, and what, you know, we all want them to look more like Christ. So what is going to get them there? It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. You know, I, I said something to my husband the other day. I was like, I feel like this is really good in theory, but it's really difficult to live out. Yes, that's true. But I would just encourage people just if we can set our standard or set our eyes on Jesus and make him the standard, then it's much easier to live out. Yeah, I I will just amen all of that. I would also say if we want to be more like Christ, like we said, we can't continue to look like the world. Right. We can't continue to fall into the traps of having the next best thing and, you know, always having everything that we think we deserve, but to actually take a step back and look at the big picture, like you said, and realize that there are people around us that need Jesus more than they need us to have everything and do everything. Something that's really, really helped me in this mindset and our family is just to learn about different experiences, learn about different people. Um, Because when we sit in our privilege and our entitlement, then we just get stuck in that bubble. And I will say, my husband and I say this all the time, the bubble has has broken and there's no turning back. Because once we really started reading a lot of books and learning about people around us and learning about um, the, the oppressed and the hurting and what they need, you can't turn back because that's all you see. Yeah. And all you want to do is reach them and and love them because that's what Christ yeah. would do. All right, Elizabeth, is there anything that you are reading, watching, or listening to this week that's helping you rethink the way you look at the world? Yes, I have a great resource to recommend along this um, topic of entitlement. So there's a book by K. Wills Wyma. It's W-Y-M-A, and it's called Cleaning House. Have you read that one? I haven't. Okay, so I read it, it was years ago, but it's really what helped me realize the fact that kids at a very young age can do chores. And so she lives in a very privileged uh, neighborhood in Dallas and just did not like the entitlement she was seeing in her kids and their attitudes and what they felt like they deserved. And um, she kind of did this experiment of teaching them to cook and, you know, clean and do their own laundry and things like that. And um, it's just really good, not only at just like putting things into practice, but also changing their hearts and minds. So I recommend that. I need to, I need to read that. I have, I feel like I've tried every chore chart and thing possible in the world. And that I always Mm -hmm. fall off in doing it because I'm like, it's just more of a fight. You know, I have the few things that my kids have to do and that's their responsibility, but I'm like, I don't want to fight with them anymore. So I'm not going to push, but I think I need to get that book. Yeah. It's really good. What about you? Um, so I read a book recently, which is interesting because it's basically the title of this episode. Um, it's called Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. It's by Kristen Welch, and it was a great book. It talked about, really, it talks about a lot of the things that we discussed here today, but it really gave me a lot of insight. She gives practical things that you can do with 
kids at different stages of life. So if you have a toddler, you know, throughout a chapter, she'll say, do this with your toddler, toddler, do this with your elementary age kid, do this with your teenager. So she gives different practical tools that you can implement to your family. And so I really loved that. So I highly recommend that book. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today as we chatted about parenting and answered the question, how do I raise kids in an entitled world? Before we go, we would love if you would go leave a review on iTunes. This really helps people find the show and connect with us. And we would also love to connect with you on Facebook and Instagram. We are at The Asking Pod. Each week we're posting new questions there and we always want your input. You can also connect with each of us on Instagram. I am at KaraK.James and Elizabeth is at Elizabeth Oates underscore. And finally, keep asking questions for a friend.